Welcome to Grateful Scripts, and I'm your host, Lindsay Paulson. Join us as we dive in each week to talk healing, adulting, and resources for trauma, life, and just showing up for one another. Together, we are going to learn everything our parents forgot to teach us in a community of grace and humility. Grab the coziest blanket you have, some snacks, snuggle up, and be ready to digest the best script that anyone can prescribe. This is The Grateful Script. Welcome back to The Grateful Scripts, Episode 3. I hope that you enjoyed last week um, getting to speak with Maddie and kind of learning what resources benefited her. So this week, I am super excited to invite you to meet my friend Jess Hart, who will kind of give you a little bit of background, but this has a episode or is an episode rather about parenting, fostering, all of those great things. So let's do an intro. Jess, Welcome. Tell me a little bit about you, who you are, and how we met. And also, P.S., we just fought a war to get these microphones to work, y'all. So it was an absolute disaster. It was like 10-year-olds trying to get this technology. But go ahead. You know, third time's a charm. I think this is about time three. So yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's okay. It's it's a learning curve. But tell That's us right. a little bit about you and all of the good things. Yeah, so I'm Jess Hart. Um, most people call me Jess or Jay Hart. I'm fine with either. But um, so I am a single mama. I currently have two kids. Um, one of them, as Lynn's mess, I'm already done. Mentioned is um, adopted, and she's mine. And then I've currently got a foster kiddo right now. And I love teaching. I'm a preschool teacher right now. And I have been a teacher of preschool students. I've been a teacher of teachers. I've done all the things like that. Um, and I really enjoy doing that. And I love Jesus. So that's kind of all about me. And then let's see. So meeting Lens has been a, you know, it's, it started out with my child. God love. Um, I showed up to the childcare center that Lynn's was working at and I said, here you go. <laughs> yeah. And then said, By the way, have a great time. <laughs> Good luck and enjoy. She's super sweet, but real spicy. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. That is the but, definition you know. of her for sure. Yep. Yep. But hey, you hung in there with her and, you know, made good buddies and didn't let her get by with any of her silliness. So it worked out for both of us. And so we kind of become friends through that, you know, just because, you know, your children bond you when they are like that. And then um, we hung out a couple times and then I was looking for a house and I found one that I really liked and I messaged you and I said, hey, um, I know you moved to this area. What neighborhood are you in? And you told me and I said, well, funny story. I bought a house down the street from you. <laughs> yeah. And then she stalked me and sent her child to my house ever since. So it's true. I'm just like, hey, you want an extra kid for a minute? Here you go. See you later. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we have had the battle headbutt of the bands, but we are also the I mean, I adore her child and all that comes with that. But it has been an interesting journey Heck from yeah. not only like a friend perspective, but a 
teaching mind perspective to watch her kind of develop and grow through all different seasons. Yes. I don't know that I'd particularly like to go back to age three or four. No, no three but, and four was was battle battleground. Like that was like you know that was well, and that's where you met her when she was three. So. <laughs> yes, I got battleground child, and now I'm like, oh, I'm really glad we're out of that season. Yeah, yeah. Now it's just super attitude and, you know, all the things that come with, like, the preteen years. Except for she's not old enough yet. And I'm, well, I mean, that's true. <laughs> so we've kind of going on 18. It's fine. Yeah, I think she thinks she's 24. But definitely obviously a big blessing. Um, we, so she is actually a foster child that you ended up adopting. Tell me a little bit about why you wanted to get into foster care and kind of how that process looked for you involving her. Yeah. So, um, I've always really enjoyed taking care of kids. I've babysat since I was able to, I did nannying over the summer for years and I just always knew I wanted to be a mama um, and being a single parent or, well, single person at the time, I knew it wasn't going to happen the natural way at that time. But, you know, I was like, how else, you know, how else can I do this, but not, you know, be fully, in my opinion, be fully committed to motherhood for life, because at that time, that was not my goal. Um, so I had talked to a few of my friends that Jokes were on you. I know. Listen, <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, so yeah, my, um, I had several friends that are foster parents and I just sat down with them and was like, Hey, you know, tell me about this, what it looks like. And by the end, I remember one, it was just like a coffee date with her. And by the end of, you know, the 45 minutes to an hour that we sat there talking, I was like, yep, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what is God, God called me to be a foster parent. And I hopped in classes. Um, at the time I had to take there was like a 12-week class. It's not as long anymore. Uh, but I took the class and within a month of me finishing the classes and all my stuff, I got my first placement, um, which happened to be two-week-old twins. And that was a rough start, but <laughs> I did it. Uh, yeah. You um, did not enjoy sleeping, I guess. No, I didn't get to sleep. That was the great part. Uh, yeah, no. So I had them and it just kind of went on from there. Um, I really thought that I was just going to take these kids and you know, I, I really love the babies. And so my plan was, you know, a lot of people get into fostering to either, you know, a lot of times to take kids and, and ideally adopt them. Right. Um, I was kind of one of the outliers. I didn't want to adopt. I wanted to foster these kiddos, get them to a point that either the parents could take them back or they could go on to an adoptive home or a family member. And like you said, it just kind of happened. One of them came and she never left. <laughs> um, but if you if you ask anybody that was around me at the time, um, and I mean, I can look back on it now and I know from day one she was mine. Um, it was very evident. I just tried to deny it for about six to eight months. I tried to deny it. I but thought you were going to say well. six to eight years. I was like, no. oh, no, she's for sure yours now. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> she's going to be, she just like you. She's going to be here forever. Listen, yeah, no, no. Six, about the first six to eight months, I was like, no, I'm not an adoptive parent. Like, I'm just going to foster. I'll find somebody. But it, God made it evidently clear she was mine. And she's been with me ever since. And I don't regret any moment of it. I will say it hasn't been an easy road. 
because, you know, like with every kid, they all have their things they got to deal with. And in foster care, unfortunately, you know, some of those kids have a lot more to deal with. And, you know, so we we deal with it and we go with it and it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. What do you think the hardest thing that you've had to deal with in regard to like the actual system or even just where she was as far as in the beginning, kind of dealing with some medical issues and kind of what has stuck out to you that's been the hardest? Um, so there's, there's so many different aspects of foster care that can make it really difficult. I think when I think about specifically with her, the hardest part really was, you know, they called me at, she was two weeks old, excuse me. And they were like, Hey, we think she'll be leaving the hospital in a couple days. So I was like, awesome. So I actually went up and I was able to visit her in the hospital and she ended up staying six and a half weeks total um, in the NICU. And that was actually really difficult because I knew she was coming home to me, but I couldn't take her home. Um, and then she did come home to me, but she was still on medication to help her. She had been exposed to multiple things in utero. And so, um, she came home with me and I had to help her continue to deal with that through the use of medication, um, sleep, even, you know, we talk, we joke about the twins, not getting sleep with the twins, but, um, we're eight years old and I still don't get sleep. So, you know, it really didn't matter. <laughs> they were training you for who she is as a human now. I, you know, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, now I've lost my train of thought. Just kind of where like you brought her home from. the Yeah. Hospital so and- once, once I finally got her home and, you know, just getting through that, the, the hardest part has been getting her the services she needs um, because there's so many hoops you have to jump through and there's certain, you know, like qualifications that kids have to have. And the things that she needs don't come from those things that have diagnoses. Um, the, the things that she needs comes from her exposures and her birth history and just the things that come with being in foster care and, and, you know, adoption even. And there's not a lot of like medical and like occupational therapy and, and, you know, speech therapy and stuff. That's not easy to get when your child doesn't have a certain diagnosis or doesn't have an extreme delay in different things. So that's probably been the hardest with her that I wish there was more resources and more capacity for those kids to get services who are in foster care. Yeah, no, I think that's perfectly said. Um, I know you and I had talked a little bit about this the other day, and I hope you don't mind me sharing, but no. you know, you're in a new season with her where you're trying to teach her new things that maybe she has a little bit more difficulty concept grasping wise yes. and trying to teach a kid that wants to learn but struggles to learn in what capacity uh i know you were kind of trying to figure out the best way to even do that as a mom and that's not that's not in like the motherhood guidebook that you buy off the amazon like how to teach the child that isn't physically able to learn due to her circumstances and and even even in like you know i have an education degree i and you know so like i should be able to in my opinion, you know, I should be able to to navigate that, but it's completely different as a parent watching your kids struggle to do something that you know they're so smart. She's an incredibly intelligent child, 
but just struggles to learn the basic stuff. And I don't know how to teach that, you know? Yeah, no, it it's definitely, I mean, even when she was little teaching her, you could tell she was extremely intelligent. Um, you mm-hmm. could tell when she was uninterested in something, but you could tell when she was interested and she wanted to kind of navigate a new world or learn something new. She she was grasping onto it, but there there was obviously some a little bit of behavioral, a little bit of sensory, and a lot of new worlds that I still tell people to this day. Like she made me a better teacher because I had to learn to pivot when I was so not ready to pivot whatsoever was not ready to move and she said checkmate we're doing this yep yep i i i have learned as a very type a and very organized kind of person i have had to learn to step back and live on someone else's schedule (laughs) and it's not easy and i don't like it but it's what you do as a parent you you step back and you put yourself down aside not down but like aside so your kid can get what they really need and most of the time it has changed me for the better you know it's just tough yeah no absolutely i i would agree with that what would you say you are most grateful for in motherhood and this experience overall uh i would have to say i you know i was thinking about this and i really as far as gratefulness and motherhood it it as bad as it sounds it has nothing to do with my kids um it has everything to do with the people and the friendships and the other mothers and those kind of people like the things i have learned from them and the support that i've gained and like the friendships and the the deepness of those friendships that i've gained because of being a mother or because of being a foster parent or, you know, those kind of things, being able to understand the world from so many different viewpoints. You know, I don't get just the viewpoint of um, a mother who gave birth to her own children. I don't get just the viewpoint of even a mom who fostered and adopted. Like I also get the viewpoints of these moms who have lost their kids and how they got there. Um, You know, those kind of situations. So I have... I'm really grateful for the the different aspects that I get, you know, and and the friendships that I've gotten. Yeah, no, I think that's that's beautifully said and I think that you know it is hard and it does take a lot of community and there's a lot of times that like I mean, I hate to be like make light of a, a such a harsh some some harsh realities but it cracks me up cuz even like when I get on Facebook and people are like what do you think that I should do about this situation? And it's people seeking community. And sometimes I'm like, you should probably just go to the doctor. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know <laughs> why you're seeking in medical advice on the Facebook, but I mean, we'll give well, you that opinion the, and let you go from there. Well, and that's, you know, one of the big things is I, I, I same way. Like I look at that and I'm like, do you not have like a human friend that you can call? <laughs> Yes. And, and and it's quite possible they don't, you know, like I totally get that, but that's what has truly saved me. Like, gosh, I remember even with the twins, with you know, my first placement, like I called a friend of mine who I knew lived down the road and I was like, listen, like, I think they have fevers. I don't really know. Like, I don't know what's going on. And she was like, I'll be there. And this was at like 11 o'clock at night and she had kids of her own, but she came on down because she was like, look, this is your first go round. Like, let me help you figure this out. And that's, you know, 
if it weren't for that, I wouldn't know and do be able to do all the things I can do. I can't imagine not having those physical people to help me. Yeah, no, it definitely takes a community. And that's, I mean, I'm so grateful that even though, like, I joked about you being down the street, but like, there's been times when we've texted and been like, hey, can I just send my kids there? Or hey, can you just yeah. come here? Or hey, leave or her hey. here so you can do this. Or hey, I'm coming to take your kid to school. Oh, well, she's running away right now. So you can go chase her down. <laughs> As I pull up and the child is walking down the Uh street, like with a suitcase, she's just like, no, I'm not going today. I was like, well, that's awkward. Get in the car. We're leaving. Yep. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a little insight into the preteen years for anyone who's not there yet. It's it's a great time. The preteen years that started eight, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, that would have been like about seven. But, you know, (laughs) yeah, we're, we're moving those up for you. Um. One thing that you had mentioned in the beginning was just kind of how much you do love Jesus and kind of how your faith is important to you. How would you say your faith has helped shape you as a mother and kind of going through life navigating these different scenarios? Um, it's 100% what guides my decisions. I'll be honest. I I pray over everything. I really seek his guidance in that. Um, you know, like I mentioned, I tried to ignore the fact that she was mine for the first six to eight months, but golly, every time I look back, I'm like, man, he was really showing me that she was mine. Um, you know, and like, you know, the current little guy that I have right now, I'll be honest, like he has made it very evident from day one that this little boy entered my home, that he's mine. And unlike with the first one, I'm, sticking to it. Like I know that he is mine. And every time I ask God about it and pray about it, he's like, nope. And I'm like, okay, well, you know that, you know, this is not how that usually works, but I just have to rely on that. And the same has happened with every like big decision or even motherhood decision, to be honest. Like I just have to go, Hey, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to deal with this. help me out. And, you know, most of the time I either will end up reading something or coming across a friend who's been in a similar situation or, you know, the situation kind of resolves itself or there's just, I really think, I I mean, I really know I'll say that I could not have, I would not be where I am without God and without his guidance on all the things that I do because, even, I mean, down to the decision making, I don't have, you know, a lot of foster parents, you know, we talk about when, you know, I, I, I'm also a foster parent trainer <laughs> as one of my many hats that I wear. And, you know, we talk about how, like, when you get that call and the social worker calls you and says, this is what I have. Most of them say, well, give me five minutes. Let me call my partner, you know, whatever. I don't have that partner to call and say, Hey, what do you think about this? You think we can handle it? Um, so most of the time I say, give me five minutes and I hang up the phone and I sit down and I pray and I think about what's going to change and what's going to go on. And he lets me know what I need to do. And I follow along with that. And, you know, there's another child potentially coming into my home in the next three to six months. And I am terrified of it, to be honest, because that's, it, it would be a new baby and that's just a lot to deal with. But you know what? If God says do it, he's going to give me the things that I need to do it. So the, my yeah, faith and is and at really... this point, like, what's one more? 
I mean, we're just, <laughs> just keep popping them in the neighborhood. You know, we've got, we've got right. enough resources around here. It'll be fine. Well, that's what it's funny because so many people, they're like, you know, when you go from two to three, it's like a huge difference. I said, yeah, that's in a regular family where there's two adults and then there's two kids and you're like man to man. And then you go to the third kid and you're like, oh no, what do we do? And I was like, I'm already outnumbered. So what's one more? <laughs> yeah. Also, I, I mean, I have a completely off. I thought one to two was like, holy guacamole. I was not a fan. And then two to three, I was like, all right, bro, get in the car. Like we're leaving. We got things to do. Yep. <laughs> like we don't their kid just has to suck it up and go along yeah we ain't got time for your shenanigans we we've got to get to move him um so speaking of like big transitions and things like that what is one resource that you wish you had known about sooner um going through all of this I, again it really to me it goes back to there's not a specific resource as there is people like not being afraid to reach out and say, look, I don't get it. Like, help me out, man. Um, or, you know, like, I, I, so I'm on like a foster parent uh, page on Facebook and people post stuff all the time. And sometimes I'm like, really, that's the question you have. And then I go back and I go, no, you know what? Like, I was there. This is their first placement. They really don't understand. And I had those same questions with my first placement or my first, you know, situation or whatever. And so, for me, it really is not being afraid to say, hey, I don't get it. Who can help me? Um, or being, you know, reaching out and and stepping out and getting into like those, you know, small groups or or groups on Facebook where you have common interests, right? There's There's a Facebook group for single parents. There's a Facebook group for single moms of adopted children. There's Facebook parent, you know, groups for you name it. It's out there. Um, and being a semi-introverted person, like that was not my, I didn't like doing that. But if I had done it sooner, I would have learned a whole lot more and probably been a little further along <laughs> than I am now. Although I'm, you know, I'm okay. But if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean, I think any, there's so many different avenues that you can kind of travel down when you're trying to look up things. And I think, you can we can all poke fun at those Facebook groups because they're easy, but they also have real life people with real life situations. Accurate. And then you can go down real deep rabbit holes of like trying to figure out the answer and then some new scenario pops up and you're like, Well, heck, I didn't think about that. Like now I gotta pivot my brain to that. But what do you think are the good, bad, and ugly things kind of about the the foster care and adoption processes? I think the big thing about foster care is unfortunately there's no two situations that are the same. And so like there's no way to ever say this is probably what's going to happen or this is how it's going to roll or this is how it's going to look like. Or, you know, if your kid was exposed to this, this is probably what's going to happen later on in life. And, you know, we just don't have that. Um, and, and, you know, being, <laughs> being a teacher, educator, researcher kind of person, like I have tried to look up, okay, so if your child's exposed to these things, like what's their like, go, you know, what are their outcomes later in life? Well, there's not a whole lot of data on some of that stuff because we can't get that data. Um, and so I think that's probably the hardest part. But in all honesty, when you think about it, that's just general motherhood. We don't know where our kids are going to end up and we, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen next navigational wise. Um, and so that's probably one of the hardest things I'd say when you, 
as far as like foster care and adoption, the biggest thing that I always try to remember is that until that adoption is signed, that child is not mine. Um, and that's really hard because you feel like they're yours. You're you're the one taking care of them. Shouldn't you be the one to be able to make all the decisions about this child? But in actuality, like they have another mother, they have another father, they have other people that are family to them. And even even my daughter, who has never once met her biological mother, she knows that she has a belly mama. She knows that and she's very aware of that. And that's a big part of who she is. And to navigate that is sometimes difficult for me because I've I was never in that situation. Um, and I don't know how that feels. And the people that I know that are dealing with that are dealing it from that mother perspective or father perspective. They're not dealing with it from the, I live that perspective. Um, so I think that's one of the more difficult things you have to do. And in all honesty, like we're not in charge of the decisions that get made. And so that's really tough. And I sometimes wish there were more regulations on things like if this happens, this happens, right? It would be great to say, you know, if parent A does this, then this is what happens with child if parent, you know, whatever. But then you have to remember that every one of these are people and and children and families and no two situations are the same. So if you put that law on that, there's going to be an exemption to that law. Um, Yeah. And so there's really no way to know what's going to happen next. Um, And that is probably the hardest and probably the thing that, you know, quote, I would say is bad about foster care is because sometimes these kids do go back to situations that we're not comfortable with. I had a kid that was only with me for 10 days and he went back to a grandparent where I knew I had proof that the biological mother was living with that grandparent, even though she said she wasn't. And that was torturous to me because I was terrified for that kid. Um, you know, I think and- it was your kid before kid two that really like broke my heartstrings. Oh, yeah. So that one was like the first one that I say give back. But like when you had to return to bio parents, I was like, no, no, that one's part mine. We're not giving her back. Like, just (laughs) want you to be aware that I am now emotionally invested. This human identifies as part my child. We we will not be returning her at this time. And yeah. that one, that one's still like, I think about her sometimes like that one really got me in my feels. Yes. And, and you're not the only one. And that's the thing, like, even, even as a person myself that knew that she was probably not staying and that she would probably have to go back to one of these situations where, you know, I wouldn't be super happy about it, but you know, it is what it is. It was probably harder on my friends and my family because I know it was tough on you. My sister was torn apart when that little girl left. Um, And my sister doesn't do little kids like little kids are not her thing. But she was torn apart with that because she connected to that little girl. And there was just something about her that really brought that in. And so I think sometimes people forget that other people get invested in these kids and then never get to see him see them. Was it? Was it your middle kid yes. that got real attached? And she was like, when are we going to see her again? Well, and she like, still she talks talking- about her. She's like, can she come to my birthday party? And I'm like, 
oh, she doesn't live in this state, sis. Like, yeah. well, how like, can we call her? How can we contact her? How can, you know, she's my friend. She's supposed to be here for my birthday. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't have the answers to give a five-year-old about why her friend is no longer available to be her friend on like a kid level. That was one of my yeah. things is I'm like, honey, she doesn't even live in this realm of the universe. Like she's, yeah. we'll have to figure out how to navigate that relationship later but that one that one got me because that one came in and and stole the heartstrings of the whole paulson family well and you met her the night i got her and i think i know and she was so snuggly and after that i was like oh nope sorry (laughs) we won't be returning this one she can actually come to my house thank you so much yeah that 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 it's it's tough man because you don't get to make that decision and you know and like you don't get to make to the you don't even get to make the decision that that kid comes into my home. You know what I mean? Like you don't get them. You as Lindsay didn't get to make the decision on whether you met that child or not because you're my friend. Yeah. You just keep giving all these babies and <laughs> making me fall in love with them. And then you're like, hmm, okay, well, yep. not you. Right. She was definitely my hardest, but now yeah kid number this the one you have now if he is to ever pivot i'm gonna be like oh no we're gonna hide you in the closet like you're not going anywhere either so they uh definitely a hard hard thing to navigate um yeah i just remember vividly standing at church and she had just left and knowing that my heart was feeling the same thing that your heart was feeling and it was just like such a weird moment for me to like watch you semi like grieve that situation but knowing that you also knew that she was not you were not her forever home Mm -hmm. and then you know you get all emotional and you got the music and then Steph's trying to make you cry and it's (laughs) like the whole thing and you're like oh my gosh, like, I love this kid that is, does not belong to me and does not belong to her. And now that's kind of like, end it, like it's done like that. I I will never see this child again. And it's just a weird thing to, to kind of navigate, but kind of sticking in that theme of, you know, us being in that church moment, what do you think are, or what is one Bible verse that kind of stuck out to you during this whole journey? So I'll have to say, so there's kind of two that really hone who I am. Um, one of them is really about, I, I, I found it, gosh, just a couple years into, fo- well, the one I found a couple years into fostering, which was when I a- adopted my daughter. And so it was actually the verse that I put on like my shirts that I, you know, cause you get all fancy and get adoption shirts and, and all that stuff. Um, and that's Matthew 18, uh, verse four. And it's, and it talks about how, like, whoever, you know, brings one of these kids into their home, you know, brings me in and talking, you know, about how, like, when we take these kids in, we are taking care of Jesus and we're taking care of Jesus's children. And that's really what this is about. And, you know, just like we were talking, even when they leave, we had an impact on that girl. She was only here what was, I think four months, but there was an impact made for those four months on her and hopefully on her family. Um, and so that's something that can last longer than just those four months that I got to physically be in her life. 
Um, and so it's one of those things that it's a constant reminder of this is my child and I'm doing that even just for now and maybe forever, but maybe just for now. But the one that really um, reminds me to keep doing what I'm doing <laughs> Um, you know, cause the days aren't always easy and some of them are very long and some of them are really hard and some of them are very loud. Oh my gosh. They're so loud. <laughs> some um, of them are so, so, so listen, loud. I don't know if you can hear it, but there's been screaming going on since we started. So oh, I, I know I'm, I'm like almost done. Like we're yep, just, yep. Hang and, in there. You're doing my great. Child has, my child has come out multiple times and been like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, just go back in there and deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's um, Isaiah 54. Um, and it starts in verse one. And I'm going to read it because it really just, I, I really like it. It says, sing barren woman who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy. You who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid, you will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace, you will not be humiliated. You You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And just that first part, especially really. Yeah, that gives you cold chills. Yeah, it really hits me because, I mean, I'll be honest, there was a time about a year ago that I was actually talking to to our friend Steph and I was just like, hey, like, I'm I'm at that age where I'm like, man, I really want, you know, like a baby of my own. Like, I want I want to go through that. I want to I want to do that. But and I looked into, you know, how much would it cost and how could I do that and all that things. And I for one month. Her, myself, and one of my good friends that lives in Louisville, we prayed specifically for that. Like, is this something I'm supposed to do? Is this something I'm not? And ironically, they both came to that same verse and were like, mm, I don't think so. And I was like, mm, you're right. <laughs> um, and that it's not, it's not meant for me. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to be the barren woman who doesn't bear children of my own, but I get to I'm going to have to buy a bigger house eventually. I'm going to have to do all these things. I'm going to have to make that tent larger because these kids keep coming and they're mine and it's what I get to do. Well, you're just going to have to circle the block and find a for sale sign. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you move, I have no scapegoat to send my children. So you better figure it out. (laughs) There's some bigger houses around here. I just need the one with a basement. I don't have one with a basement. So, I mean... Just just get some bunk beds. You'll be all right. Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> and storage so, unit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And maybe like eight different incomes. Um, so where should someone start when they are interested in fostering or adopting? Where Where do you think is a good place to kind of start? And, you know, if somebody hears this today and it's like, you know, that speaks to me, I'm, 
I'm in that same boat. I want to be a mama, but maybe not not the way that most people take that route. What do you suggest to those those women out there? So the first thing I would suggest is to talk to people that have done it or are currently doing it and get that personal interaction and find out, is this really what I feel like I'm being called to do? Um, And then the next thing I would say is um, get in classes because so (laughs) you can contact me. I am one of those people that can point you in the right direction toward those classes. I help teach them. Um, But or just go to, you know, you can go to I always recommend going through the state if you're going to do foster care and adoption. But I also know there's many other um, agencies out there and I've heard wonderful things about them as well. So I'm not I you know, I went through this date. So that's who I suggest because I know it and I can give you more information on that. But there's also other agencies that you could go through. Um, But I know with the state, like there's a, I think it's a six week class that you take that tells you all about what you'd be getting into. It tells you, you talk about what kind of kids might come in and what their needs are and what the process looks like and what you as a foster parent would be responsible for doing and things like that. You can take those classes, you can do all the paperwork and still be like, mm, nah, I, this is not for me. Or you can take the classes and be like, heck yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I always suggest get in the classes, take them until you know which direction you're supposed to go because it's not going to hurt you either way to take them and then end up not doing it or to take them and do it, you know, because you can't do it without them. But you'll never know if that's what you're supposed to do if you don't actually get in the classes and talk to the social workers and talk to the people who have been there and done that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, at the end of this episode too, we will link some resources in the show notes so you guys can click. Um, Jess and I'll figure out what all the best resources are to have those available on any platform that you're going to do and um, get you some more information on that, just of of places that are certified, checked out, things like that. But as far as the last question, and then we will wrap it up so nobody dies with the seven children we have in this house currently. It's great. Uh, yeah. Um, what do you think is the one thing that you wish you would have known about adulting? <laughs> um, <laughs> I have no idea. That's um, my one question that I'm saving like in the back pocket, like, Golly, and it doesn't man. have to be serious. Like I just worked I'm, with episode one and I'm like, um, I wish someone would have told me that ceiling fans go due to two different directions. <laughs> it's so true. Um, gosh, I don't know. The one thing that I wish I knew about adulting, um, that despite wanting a guidebook, there's not one. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I like mean, maybe that'd be how great to like why there's so many government forms for like actual life. Like who teach it? There's just so many things that I didn't know that when I got to the um, other side that I'm like, what is this? Let me just say how much as an adult, I still hate making phone calls. So oh, good one. And, and the fact that you're going to have to like you have to call and set up appointments. You have to call and answer that. You have to like. Oh, yeah, I don't want to do that at all. No, and you... Come on, Mom, you should, like, step up and still make my appointments. She's going to text me as soon as she hears this and be like, I'm not making your dang appointments. I feel like maybe we should just have, like... Like, I have... Like, my kids have a caseworker, um, and it'd be real great if, you know, they could 
just make my appointments too. Yeah. Can I have a caseworker? Can I have someone follow me around and make my appointments? I think I should call like a life assistant. And those sound expensive. You know what? But that's what your friends are for. Yeah, that's that's facts. Yeah. I was just laughing with Sarah that I call her my emotional support friend because she's like, I'm Mm. on it. Like she is on top of all the things all the time. I'm like, I don't I don't know where I would be without my friend group and my support group. Like I I don't have I should probably have a caseworker for safety reasons. Just, you know, in general, maybe (laughs) that just follows me around and it's like, hmm, think about that choice, maybe. But whatever, you know. No one, no one teaches you that things, those things, but thank you so much. And we will put resources down again in the show notes and how, if you are interested, maybe we'll, we'll get you some sneak contacts into maybe (laughs) Jess can train you on how to be an adult. And then you can both. No, I can't train you on being an adult, but I can train you on how to be a foster parent. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Well, thank you, Jess. I truly appreciate you coming on here and kind of shedding some light and we will chat soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. 